Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. I love that point right there. I think that might be the art of coaching. That because you, um, you, you, you can to be stubborn. Yeah. Because you anybody can go online and find a practice plan. I could go online right now and pick Hubie Brown, one of one of his practice plans. Yeah. I'm sure it's out there and it's all timed. And I could just go right down it. And you know, a lot of people would watch that and be like, golly, it flowed, it really moved well. But was I taking the time, one, to know myself well enough? What am I really looking for? You know, Rick Torbett said it takes you 10 years to figure out who you are as a coach. And I don't know if that's exact, but for me, it, it feels about right there. I mean, six years as an assistant, four or five years messing up horribly as a head coach until I started to maybe figure it out, still learning, obviously. But I think the the the, the art of coaching is knowing what you're about and being willing to be stubborn and stick with moments. But then not not so stubborn with your plan that you're just gonna waste time uh, i'll tell you this i had last night um i recorded with art bryles and the reason i've got art bryles on because i'm not a big football guy i don't I, I love the cowboys i couldn't tell you much of what's really happening on there and i'll try to fake it a little bit but i don't know much about it but when he was a baylor the fast football style they played a lot of a lot of coaches had told me to go watch his practices I never got to and so I was just thinking of guys to have on it and he came up and everything that you're talking about that's exactly what he was he was like as soon as we've got it and I feel good about it we're gonna move on we're not just gonna stay in something I wonder if that's really a difference maker for some coaches in their practice planning with culture with anything is is their stubbornness to stick in an area that we haven't got yet and we're not going to go on until we get this. Or then also the awareness of, you know what? I feel good about this. Let's move on. Maybe that's the uh, The platinum elite, elite, like last layer of Hall of Fame level coaches is this point, and I wanted to share this on your podcast, is – the stubbornness of what you want to, you can only pick two or three things that you're going to be amazing at. Like, um, coach, like I said, Coach Sampson would be toughness, rebounding, defense, taking care of the ball. That's that's their program. Now, there's a lot of things they work on, but that's who they are. A Bob Hoffman program is going to be execution is going to be somewhere up there. Um, the type of teammate you are is going to be up there. Everybody. Everybody knows when you're in his program, everybody knows the important things for Coach uh, Bennett and Coach McKay. Um, it would be the humility, the servanthood, the defense, the pack line, the uh, getting a quality shot and all that. But what I've found with those guys that are getting to the end of their career where they're really figuring out they're mastering the art of coaching is that they're known for their stubbornness. like. Everybody knows all the stories of how many people try to get Tony Bennett to go zone at different times. And he's like, look, I don't care if we're getting beat. We're not going zone. Like we're playing man. We're, we're, this is what we do. And like, no matter how many times somebody wants to tell Kelvin Sampson that 
hey, coach, you know, when we put that bubble on the thing, you know, we could get somebody could get hurt. He's like, we got to be who we are, you know, like we're going to ride or die with the rebounding. Is that that last level of stubbornness that those guys have is that they circled almost all the way back to where when you think about that UMBC loss, you know, the the coach, uh, he's at VCU now, Coach Odom. Coach Odom was the coach, right, of UMBC. Mm-hmm. So they got them in a couple actions where they just kept running over and over again, and they just kept touching the paint over and over. They figured out a cheat code to the pack line, and they were playing. You know, the ACC has bigger fours and bigger fives, and so they were running around and basically playing against five guards. So the thing that Coach Sampson and Coach Bennett and Coach McKay will do now is that they are willing to make that one adjustment. And so we all, as a younger coach, always think about adjustments in terms of every halftime. I'm like, what do we need to do? We need to start trapping. We need to go to zone. We need, like, I'm willing to make any adjustment at any point, at any time during the game to help us win by one point. And so whenever we talk about a Coach Bennett or a Coach Sampson adjustment that they make at halftime or in a timeout, it's it's very well documented. They normally will mention it in a press conference. It will normally be shown on video. Hey, the next year UVA would occasionally switch a 1-4 ball screen, which they would, Dick Bennett and Tony would have never done before the UMBC loss. And so it got widely talked about and widely um, viewed and like, man, what a master adjuster. But the essence of the attention that it got is it was born out of their stubbornness. Be, and, and like I, I've gotten caught up um, in my head coaching journey of wanting it to be more about that instead of being being uh, us being a product and a program and a, and a habit filled like working group of my stubbornness of the thing. Like I haven't even established my stubbornness for an adjustment to even matter. Hmm. And so let's get good at something before you can even adjust off of that. And they're so good to where like, if coach were to send, if if coach Samson were to go into a game and only send two people, the offensive glass, it would change the complexion of the game. Like let's say that he played Steve Nash's sons. And for whatever reason, him and the staff got together. They would never do this. I mean, he's going to send five to the glass before he would ever send two. They're going to crawl on the glass. Like, he's he. no matter how many great shooters he has, if you listen to him talk every fall, he's always sending out that message. Hey, we're not a first-shot team. We're a second-shot team. We're a third-shot hmm. team. And he could have, like, five guys that shoot 40% from three. But that's just what he does. They're going to – at OU – um, Indiana at Houston, they're going to Washington state. My man's like, they're going to get 20 offensive rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. And so if he were to ever go into an NCAA tournament game, and I bet there's been some moments where he probably, he might've done this is that he were not to send four to the glass. It would change the whole direction because all that, if Baylor is about to play a Houston team for that four days, a Kentucky or a Baylor or a Texas Tech, all they're talking about with Houston is we got to box out. We got to box out. We got to box out because that's his stubbornness. Everybody knows what his teams are known for. And so the tricking opponents, 
hey, I'm all for tricking people. I like that. Like, I don't want people to have a beat on what we're doing. But the best coaches are the ones that are, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, we're better at that than whatever you're, you get to prepare for for three days. This is what we do year round. This is yeah. our whole, when we wake up in the morning, all we're talking about is rebounding for 365 days a year. And so you can do the box out drills all you want, but Houston's getting 20 offensive rebounds. They just are. The word and I'm so thinking I, about, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just think that I'm reminding myself having a conversation with you because we're recording this podcast on the on the front end of all of our seasons is is that your stubbornness and then as you're stubborn are you stubborn on things that are going to show up and are your players capable of doing the things that you want to be stubborn about i think a fun exercise would be with especially once you've established some habits a few weeks maybe a month in it could even be with, maybe with culture too is ask your players, what are we stubborn about as a program, as a team? What are we going to be stubborn about this year? And and maybe give it up to them to what are some things that are important to them? And again, it doesn't just have to be with basketball, yeah, but I think it's that. a, I think it's important for your players to know what you're stubborn about. Yeah. Other coaches can watch a team play. And I think the the word I kept thinking about was identity. Like I watched some teams play and I realized, golly, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what they're about. What are they trying to actually accomplish? I would hope teams watching us is we're trying to get the best shot as fast as possible. And we're okay with taking threes in transition, but there's still good shots from our scale. It's not, we're not just taking bad shots, but I mean, that that has to be something we're going to shoot courageously. Like that needs to be something that people understand. It's our identity, but it'd be interesting to see. Do your players know what you're stubborn about? what you truly want to see every day from them. And also like what we want more buy-in there are stakeholder part of our stakeholders in our program. What are they stubborn about? I think that'd be a fun activity. I'll tell you one of the things that I noticed yesterday is, and they, they took the wind out of my sails with doing this is, is that we're really big on when somebody goes to, we have posters and pictures in the office and, we spend a lot of time on social media or whatever is that when a teammate goes to the ground, we pick them up. Um, whenever we're talking as a team, we want to, uh, we want to touch um, a teammate, have an arm around a shoulder. If we're in a timeout, um, if someone does good, if there's uh, children or different people in the gym, like just basic culture standards that we have is that when you have the right kids in your program, these things that you want to be about. Like we had, we had two guys go down on the court yesterday and our guys ran over there and picked them up. Well, they kind of stole my thunder because I wanted to tell them, Hey, this is what, and they did it naturally. And then when I was, when our us coaching staff, when we were telling them the schedule for the, uh, for the rest of the week, we're doing some community service of, or whatnot. They all were touching each other and they all were like linking up with each other. And they, stole my thunder again is that I this was the week that I was going to tell them that this is what they were going to do is that when you have the right people in your program they instinctively are going to do a lot of the culture things on their own and then when you're able to force the behavior of people that really don't want to do like like the best programs are the ones that the things that the coach is stubborn about like we're really stubborn about cheering for your teammates like I'll kick a kid off the team if he doesn't now, I won't kick a kid off the team for the first time. Yeah. But if you don't want to cheer for your teammate, you you, you ain't going to fit in here. 
Like you're just not. And so it's important to me. I thought it was important to me as an assistant, but as a head coach, like when the kids are out there playing, if these guys aren't into the game, like it, it ruins it. I don't care what's going on in the court and we could lose and our whole team be into it. And there's a level of fulfillment and satisfaction that I have of that. We are at least on the pathway or the journey of becoming a team. And so that stuff, I think we all figure out as leaders of the things that are important to us. Some, some, sometimes uh, it's important. The most important thing to a coach is winning. Sometimes the most important to thing to a coach is having the most talent. Sometimes the most important thing to a coach is running the best stuff on offense. That's really important that it looks a certain way. I've found for me, one of the most important things is, is that we're all on the same page about a few things. And one of them being is that we're going to cheer for each other. And, and I'll kick the best player off the team over that. I've ne- luckily, I've never had to. Um, but that's important. I want the boys to cheer for each other because I think that that's a – regardless of the philosophical ramifications of why it's important for them later on, it's important to me today. Like, I just care about that. I want I want to cheer for people. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.